Merry Christmas. Welcome home. Welcome to the Avenue this morning. It's so good to see each one of you. What a beautiful Sunday morning it is we have here together. My name is Dave DeFrancesca, and I'm excited because today is Christmas Sunday. So excited to be here today. Welcome to what God is doing in this church and to what he's doing in so many lives. It is our last service of the year. A few minutes, I'll tell you about that. But because it is, it's a time of reflection that we look back on what God has done also throughout the year. And if you've been here from the beginning of the year, or maybe at some point during the year you began attending, or maybe it's your very first Sunday this morning, I hope that you can see what God is doing in your life and you walk away changed each time. I believe when we enter into God's presence, when we're in a space where God is doing amazing things, we should be able to see those things in our lives too. Amen? If you're visiting with us this morning, on your seat you'll see an orange Connect card. Grab that card if you don't mind, and at some point this morning you can fill that card out, exchange it with us in the lobby, and drop it off there on your way out. We'd love to give you a gift, not just because it's Christmas, because what we do for each one of our visitors that visit with us, and we'd love to reach out to you this week via email and just let you know. It's great to meet you, see you here today, and answer any questions you may ask on the back or check any boxes there as well. A couple other quick announcements before we dive into our message this morning. Next Sunday, we will not have service here, New Year's Eve. Is it because we're going to party so hard? Nah, not so much. Come on, people. We can laugh this morning. Come on. It's simply because we are portable, which means that we set this thing up and take it down each and every Sunday. And so six years ago, when we began that first Christmas, that first Sunday between Christmas and New Year, we just looked at our team of volunteers, we call our dream team, and we said, hey, let's take this Sunday and rest and relax. A lot of people will be traveling, moving between homes and families and out of state. So let's enjoy just this Sunday of just relaxing and hanging out at home, making pancakes, sleeping in, whatever it looks like for you. So we have traditionally done that now each Sunday between. So we will not be here next Sunday. We will be back January 7th and ready to go, excited for a brand new series, excited because God is doing amazing things. We'll celebrate our six-year anniversary, February the 4th. Small groups begin February the 1st. So if you want to be a small group leader, see somebody today in leadership, myself, my wife, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Jessica, let us know, hey, I want to lead a small group next semester. It's Christmas Sunday, and we're talking about small groups because we believe God's doing something amazing, and you need to do life not isolated, but in a group with other people as well. Thanks for visiting with us this morning. Thanks for being here. We have been talking about our legacy offering that we are receiving during the month of December, and our legacy offering goes into three lanes. It's simply a, uh, an offering that we give God above and beyond our tithe, above and beyond what we have already scheduled and budgeted in to give back to God. An offering is something you give willingly and openly. It's something that you're not asked to, or you're not forced to give, but you do it because you want to give it. And so we began speaking in November about the offering that we'd receive in the month of December. We do this every year and talk to God about that. What would he have you and your family do? And we just asked that everybody, each one of us, would participate in the legacy offering as well. There's different lanes you can give in. You can give into uh, uh, the present updates that we're doing right now. You can give into future building and land, or you can give into missions as well. If you want to know more about those, we can talk about those. But as you do, you can give online at myavenue.church slash give. And you can scan that QR code right there if you can see it with your phone. You can also text it in as well and just put the word legacy after it or any of those other keywords, present, future, or mission, and they'll work as well. But we just ask that everybody will participate in the end of your offering. 
and then we'll believe that God's doing something amazing as we set up 2024 and where we're going as well. Amen? Amen. Let's dive into the final part of our Christmas series this year. The Christmas series is called Coming Home for Christmas, and we have done three parts of this. We talked about the cure for the insecure. If you struggle a little bit with security and knowing what you're called to or who you are, I'd recommend you go back and watch week one. We talked about different things in our lives that become those parts and those pieces that are challenging. Week two, we talked about stress, because how many know Christmas can be stressful? But we don't talk about the stress. We talk about the highs, and we talk about the, the fun. But inside of that, it just sounds so challenging and stressful. We realize that so many times our time and our money are stressed out at Christmas time, unlike any other time in the year. And so we just talked about it. What does that look like? How do we reduce the stress on our time and on our money? And last week, we talked about the power of surrender, surrendering to what God has for us in his plan. This morning, I want to speak to something, and I really, as I was praying and preparing for it this morning, as I was getting ready for Christmas Sunday today, I really was um, looking in different directions, and I didn't see us going in this direction. So I really believe, though, this is from God, and it's a gift for you. It's a gift for each one of us, because if you engage this thought this morning and take it into your life and go beyond maybe where you're going and go beyond what you've already done, I think you may find freedom in this Christmas season like you never have before. And you set yourself up that as you walk into next year, it can look different. Because I believe many people right now don't have, don't, are afraid of a resolution because they have a regret. You have a regret that this year you walked into 2023 saying, I am going to do X, Y, and Z. And you didn't do X or Y or Z or all of the above. Favorite answer on the test, all of the above. And because of it, you're afraid and you're frustrated. I don't want to walk into next year with another resolution and try again just to fail. I think that's what happens to us many times. So this morning, I want to read the Christmas story. And we're going to dive into this thought of how do we come home for Christmas and the part four of our series. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged, promised to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, and I love the way that right there in that moment, Gabriel, the angel that's bringing this message from God, reinforces Joseph's lineage in the tribe of David, in the line of David. If Israel had, had still had a king sitting on a throne as David and Solomon had been doing, Joseph would have been the one. Joseph is in line for that place, and he says to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him 
and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What a beautiful story to read on this Christmas morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for your love and for your mercy. God, we love you for music that just plays out of nowhere sometimes. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're so good to us, and you have a message you want to speak to our hearts today, and you just want to lean into this moment right now and be here with us. So speak to our hearts, our, open our ears and our eyes to see and to hear from you like we never have before. Let this be a Christmas to remember. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Now, outside right now, if you listen real carefully, you can hear the sound of rain. How frustrating is rain on Christmas? And I didn't even play it. Like, it's not an illustration that I put in my message. God just gave it to us this morning. But how many have ever seen a white Christmas? Come on. How many, you've, you've expect, come on. How many love a white Christmas? How many of y'all want to one day see a white Christmas? Nobody on this side of the room at all. We got one. Couple, couple, few. Like a white Christmas. We have the song, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. The, just like the ones I used to know. I grew up in the mid-Atlantic, and in that place there, we would have all four seasons. So the summer, it was too hot. It could reach triple digits in heat. We'd have high humidity, but in the winter, we could catch a blizzard. Sometimes one before Thanksgiving, certainly one throughout the winter, and there were a few times we got covered up at Christmas time with snow. And there really is nothing as beautiful as snow on Christmas, because it has that sense of freshness. It's that, it's that air of something, something clean, something new, something has just settled in. Now, trampled snow is a whole other game. But that white snow, that fresh powder, that look that just looks clean and just covers everything up, just so beautiful. You, you, you ever look at like a Thomas Kincaid photo, a picture, I should say? Like one that just shows a Christmas village at Christmas time. You have one you can throw up here? Oh, look at this. Look. How beautiful is that? Like, isn't that where you want to go right now? Like, don't you wish we were in that church? Maybe not year-round, but on Christmas morning with the snow covering it and the toy store on the corner and just the beauty of this photo brings warmth to your heart because that's what snow does. Snow makes us feel warm even though it's cold. It's the thought of it. It's the look of it. It's the view of it. It's how we perceive what that is. However, when you get through that song and you say, just like the one I used to know, as Pastor Jessica a few minutes ago alluded to, many times at Christmas, there's parts of our Christmas story we want to leave out. That's what we base this series around is helping to build a home now that we want to live in at Christmas time that we enjoy that we find meaning and, and hope and not frustration and despair, but one that our kids are growing up in and one that our church home looks like, one that we see change happening, that we're not enduring our way through, but we're enjoying it during each service and during the year, but especially right now at Christmas time. It's something that we see. But many times we have things that happen and come up. We have things we got to do places we have to be, it just becomes stressful. It becomes taxing. It just wears us out. 
And that beautiful picture of white snow suddenly becomes trampled down and worn out. And if you've ever seen snow after a couple days, the cars and the vehicles are driving on it and traveling on it, and it becomes muddy. It begins to melt. The plows have pushed it off to the side. The kids have played in it. Everything has happened around it, and now it becomes a nuisance. It's in the way. It's a pain. I wish that someone would come out and just melt this and would all be gone because that fresh white powder has now become muddied. That's what happens sometimes. You're like, Christmas time. And then you realize all that Christmas has for you. The family coming over. Maybe you have family coming over and you think family like, not church family, like, oh, I can't wait to go to church and see my church family. Maybe your family reminds you of this. <laughs> Maybe that's where you're at this morning. You're like, oh, today's the day. Tonight's the night. Tomorrow. Oh, maybe it's going to be Tuesday. Or maybe you just got a little bit of sickness and you're not going to be able to make it at all. You just felt that Christmas flu. Come on. Come on. How many of y'all know about the Christmas flu? It lasts for that four-hour period you need it to. Ooh, a miracle happened. I've been praying to get healthy again. <laughs> There's something that happens in our lives when we get to this place when we feel like, what do I do? I love this thought that at Christmas time, this is really the reason God sent his son, Jesus. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 1. Read one verse. Isaiah 1, 18. This is the man, Isaiah, that prophesied about the virgin birth that we read about in Matthew. It was his prophecy 700 years later, but he also wrote this. He said, come now, let's settle this, says God. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Wait a minute. You're telling me that even though my heart looks and is dirty and covered with sin, God is willing to make it all go away and it can be washed as white as snow. He said, though they're as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. What, literally what God is saying is, let's have a talk about your heart and your sin and the stuff going on inside of it. Let's have a conversation because I can take care of all of that stuff for you. That's a great conversation. But I think sometimes we think, well, do I really want to have that conversation? Do I really want to sit down with God and say that to him? I think it, sometimes we have to say, God, do I really want to sit through that talk with you? How much of a lecture am I going to be in for, God? How much am I, I told you not to do that so many times over, son? Like, how many, how told you so is you going to drop on me in that conversation, God? Like, how many times are you going to just uh, smack me around and let me know how dumb I was, how ignorant I was, how ridiculous it was that I kept doing that thing over and over and over again, or that I would even go there thinking anything would be different this time? You, we going to have that conversation because I'm not in for that conversation. That's not the conversation God wants to have. That's not the talk that I think my Father in heaven that I know is trying to have with you this morning. It would look more like, hey, I know you've got things in your life that you meant to do and you didn't do, but before you enter into next year, let's get them settled today so you can walk into the new year, so you can walk in tomorrow morning, Christmas Day, and go, hey, I know it used to be jacked up in my heart, but today it's white as snow. Today I can have a white Christmas inside of my life because of Jesus Christ. I know this almost sounds like an Easter message, like we should fast forward four months, but this is the meaning of Christmas. Yeah. 
This is the whole reason for the season, if I can use the cliche. This is why he came. The angel told us so, to forgive his people from their sins. The story of Christmas is about Jesus coming on purpose with intention. But this idea that we would hold things back, that we'd hold a grudge. How many of y'all remember a couple years back there was a craze, absolute craze? I don't know. How many of y'all play games on your phone? Hold your hand up. Come on. You're guilty. You play games on your phone. Some of y'all lying right now. Angry birds. Come on, somebody. Where are my angry birds people at? Where are my candy crush people at? Anybody playing Monopoly? Me and you. You remember Angry Birds? The whole theme of this was these birds were mad because the pigs were stealing their eggs. And the pigs would steal the eggs from the birds, so the birds decided they had to fight back. So they'd launch themselves across the screen of your phone, and they would crash into the pigs at different levels in an attempt to rescue the eggs. Ridiculous, right? You know why it's ridiculous? Because the pigs, the, the birds were trying to take revenge against the pigs, but it was doing the birds harm. The birds were killing themselves trying to extract revenge for their eggs. I think this many times is what we do in our lives. We want to get back at somebody. We want revenge. We want the last say. We want to let somebody know what we think of what they did towards us, and we don't realize how much it's hurting us in the process of doing so. And we're launching ourselves through life. Woo! Boom! Into something and smacking a building and taking down some pigs and hurting ourselves. Simo just had a visual of yourself flying through the air <laughs> Christmas morning to let somebody know. Hello, Aunt Gertrude. Thanks. <laughs> let me give you a key this morning. I've given you one each part of this, each message of the series. This morning I want to talk to you about the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Because if we can understand what forgiveness truly is, really is, in our soul, in our heart, in our spirits, who at the core that I need forgiveness and I need to give forgiveness. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be washed white as snow. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said this. He said, there will be many around you, and they will be offended. Sounds like 2023. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. They will be offended. They will betray, and they will hate See, the enemy desires to get us so offended that he puts us in a trap to get us into a negative pattern of sin, and we continue in that pattern inside of that trap, and there's no escape because we're constantly getting offended again and re-offended. And then people betray us, and we are offended again. And then in our offense, we attack back, and we hurt somebody else, and there's hate that is birthed out of this, and we're stuck in this cycle when the only answer to this is forgiveness. Luke 17, Jesus said, Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible. Here's some encouragement on Christmas morning. 
you came to be encouraged. Here it is. It's impossible that no offenses should come. <laughs> Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody is going to hurt your soul. Somebody is going to say something, do something, act a way, and they're going to do it again and again, even though you've told them you don't appreciate it. Somebody's going to do something out of the blue, and you're going to think, why in the world would you say that to me? Would you do that? Jesus said, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. So he doesn't let the person off the hook who is doing the offending Woe to him. I don't even know what woe means, but it's not a good woe. It's woe, not woe, woe, the other kind of woe. Woe to him, to the one causing the offense. But y'all get ready. Offenses are going to come. So there's got to be a solution. There's got to be help. There's got to be something that can, because this word offense is simply, get this, the word offense is the same word in Greek as the word we have for trap or snare. So an offense is not so much something happens to us, it's something that we step into. It's a trap laid out in front of us. If you'll imagine an animal trap that is hidden under the leaves in the woods, I'm not a hunter, best way I can describe it, and that animal comes along and walks and steps into that trap, and when he does, now he's stuck there. You know his paw is very offended. His heart is very hurt, and all he's thinking about is escape and hurting the one that left that trap. And that's exactly what we do. When offenses come, we step into it, and when that trap is set around us, we begin to think, ouch, that hurts. Why would they do that? I'm going to get you back. Angry bird. Angry birds flying through the air. Proverbs tells us a brother wronged, offended, is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the bared gates of a citadel. The only problem with building up walls is, yeah, they do protect you from the outside, but they also keep people you need away from you as well. Because we say, I'm never going to be hurt again. I'm never going to allow them to get to me again. So how am I supposed to deal with offense? Forgiveness. You've got to be crazy, Dave. You've got to be crazy. You don't understand. I don't understand. You don't know. I don't know. You have no idea what I've been through or where I'm from. I probably don't. But you don't know my story either. And I can tell you, we don't know Jesus' all the way. We get an idea. We get a picture. We get a glimpse. We get four perspectives. But really, what did he go through that he would ask us, command us to forgive somebody else. I think one of the reasons why we don't give forgiveness, we have two, I have two thoughts this morning. Number one is we have a lack of understanding. Simply put, we don't understand what forgiveness really is. It is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It is not saying that what you did to me is not a big deal. It's not that at all. It's also not pretending as if it never happened. A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Forgiveness does not erase a painful past. It does allow us to move into a hope-filled future. So forgiveness is not saying, okay, it didn't ever happen, or okay, I've got to act like it didn't happen, or giving the person the out for what happened. But what it is doing is it's releasing yourself from that snare 
and stepping out of it, when God opens it up and gives you the way out, you step out and you release them from it. Well, you know what, Pastor, that's, that's a little bit far. Like, can you, can you give us a little bit more positivity here? I'm positive that's what it's going to be like for you. It's going to be challenging for you to step out of that thing because we don't fully understand. But it's not fair. I know. I know it wasn't fair. I really do. I'm not being sarcastic, but I know it wasn't fair. When God sent his only son on Christmas morning to the earth, the son who had no sin, the son who was spotless, the son who didn't deserve to be beaten, to have his beard pulled out, to be hung on a cross, to be murdered for sins he never committed, that's not fair at all. And he, this son, hung on a cross and cried out the words and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Fairness is not a conversation we can have with God. Fairness is not something we can bring up to him and go, but it wasn't fair what they did to me because he endured much greater through it all because he was sinless, spotless. And so in that conversation, God kind of holds a trump card to always lay down and just say, but look at my son. He was perfect yet gave himself up as an offering, and he did not extract revenge, but said, Father, he asked me to forgive them. Another thing is that forgiveness is not reconciliation. It doesn't mean that just because you forgive somebody, now you're reconciled with them. That's another step down the road. That's another piece of the puzzle but it doesn't mean now that you've forgiven then you have to go back into relationship and allow them to come back into your life and now they have access to hurt you and harm you again. That's not forgiveness. That's another step that you need to take in another day. But in the step of forgiveness, it's just going, I can do this. I can release and I can relinquish. Two real good words to help describe forgiveness. I release them from that and I relinquish my revenge upon them. A real good test to see if you've relinquished is simply to put their name in your mind and then pray for them. Now, now you say, well, I pray on them. No, no, pray for them. Yeah, yeah, pray on them. I, I'll get them back. Not P-R-E-Y, P-R-A-Y. I'm going to pray, listen, not just for them, but I'm going to pray for God's blessing on them. The absolute greatest test I can tell you in my life that I have had for people that I have had trouble, and I have had trouble forgiving people. This is not me saying, hey, this is easy. Put the, put the brownie mix together. It's going to be beautiful. This is a challenging thing to do. The truth is we can't do it on our own. And so when we get to that place where we need to forgive somebody who hurt us and harmed us, and we can have a heart made white as snow, the best thing I can tell you to do to test that measure and to give it a test is simply to pray for them that God's greatest blessings he had would come on their life. Oh, that hurts. I'm telling you, because I have stopped in the middle of the prayer and thought, nope. Nope. And I'll pray for that individual by name, and I can feel the tension and the battle in my heart rage. And there were times I backed out of that prayer. Fought and fought and fought. 
But I got to a place of victory where I could say, God, take so-and-so and bless them. And I bless them in Jesus' name. And I pray multiply, multiply blessings on their life. And I began to name the type of blessing for them. You want to talk about releasing and relinquishing harm and hate and revenge towards somebody? Try that. You can have your heart made white as snow. The second reason why we don't forgive, that we don't, because we have a lack of ability to forgive is that we must have the strength and power of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts. As I said, we can't do it on our own. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus said, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like we need the Holy Spirit to empower us to give forgiveness at that level. You cannot do it on your own. You cannot set out to do it. You cannot hope to do it. And you certainly can't accomplish it on your own. Why? Why? Because God, God empowered Jesus to be able to do it. I think Pastor Jessica was reading my notes this morning. There's a deep theological term. kind of. It's not super deep. It's more of a surfacey, but it's a deeper term. Of what Jesus, how they describe Jesus coming from heaven to earth. It's called the hypostatic union. He is fully man and fully God at the same time. So he has the ability to, in one body, contain two distinct personalities. He is able to be all God. He didn't compromise his divinity as God. He didn't have to be split down the middle and be 50-50. He didn't have to lay down his divinity to be humanity. He could be both at once. And he was. Why? So that he could offer us a place of saying, hey, 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 hey. I'm the spotless, perfect lamb that can be sacrificed for you. And because I can be given for you now, I can explain to you how you can forgive people. How you can give them grace and have mercy on them just as he has had on us. Because Jesus was fully God and fully man, he felt the pain, the struggle, the trauma, the suffering that you feel, that you've endured. But he also knows, and he had the ability to release and relinquish while it was happening. Because I believe no human being, fully 100% human, without any bit of divinity, can do that. Because even with God's strength, it was difficult for me. Hebrews chapter 2 says this, For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human, he as in Jesus, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of his people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. In other words, Jesus has experienced it all every single bit, and he is the qualified authority to speak to the subject matter of how to forgive people and release them and to stop extracting revenge. But let me give you the secret. And uh, when I got to this place, it's not this deep thing. Jesus was able to do it. The best I can tell is because he thought differently. Write that down. He thought differently. He changed his thinking. 
He changed the way that he was thinking about people. 1 Peter 4, 1 says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Jesus had a completely different way of processing the pain. He refused to allow it to distract him. He refused to allow the way others treated him to disqualify him. And he had a made-up mind that he was going to see through the pain and to the person. He changed his thinking. Because in our humanity, we see the pain and not the person. But when you change your thinking through the power of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> the pain now is not the subject point. Doesn't mean you don't feel it. Doesn't mean you don't experience it. Doesn't mean it's not trauma to your soul. It means that you see through it to the person and your heart goes out to them. And you want to give them mercy. This is what caused Jesus to say, Father, forgive them. Nails running through his hands and feet. His body going through convulsions, barely able to breathe, emptying of blood, water, his lungs filling up to the point, completely exhausted, bloodied, unrecognizable in his face, disfigured, hanging, unworthily so, and he looks at the people and not the pain and says, Father, forgive them. You need to change your thinking about that person that harmed you, that hurt you, that damaged you. This Christmas season, through him, we can embrace the same way of thinking Jesus had. He responded differently, and you can too. He had the ability to respond differently. We want to get even. We want to settle the score. We want to knock somebody out. We want to give somebody a little bit of x lack in their brownies. <laughs> Made some brownies for you? Anybody ever try that? I thought if somebody raises their hand. <laughs> True story. Needs to be, I got to lighten the mood a little bit. True story. I am not in a relationship with these people any longer. This is like another lifetime ago. Years and year, decades ago. But I knew somebody that on their wedding, the night before their wedding at their, their um, rehearsal dinner, their groom's friends played a prank. Didn't ruin the night, but it damaged it. Didn't ruin the wedding, but it was still hang, hanging over, still lingering. And the bride was so hurt and so frustrated. So she dealt with it, ignored it. After they got back from the honeymoon, she said, Honey, I'd love to have all your friends over the house one night. I'm going to make them dinner just to let them know I have no hard feelings. <laughs> made them dinner, made them dessert, made them brownies a little extra recipe. Sometimes we've got to let go of adding the x lax in the brownies. <laughs> Is that an appropriate story for Christmas morning? I just need to lighten the mood a little bit. Because this is a serious offense we're talking about. This is what we're walking through right now that in sometimes we have got to get to the point where we respond differently because we're thinking differently. Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I think he was thinking they don't know what they're thinking. They're just walking out and acting out the motions, but do they really understand what they're doing? 
So let me give you a couple quick things to write down to help us have a white Christmas and find that place of forgiveness. Number one, remember, I need forgiveness too. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. All is include all of us. We all have. You have. I have. We've all missed it. We've all sinned and fall short. And instead of focusing on the flaws of people, let's look first at the flaws in our own lives and realize, wait a minute, God, you gave me forgiveness. And in fact, because he gives us forgiveness, he requires now that we give forgiveness. But you can't give what you have not received. So for an unbeliever to give this type of forgiveness is next to impossible, if not because they have not received forgiveness and pardon of their sins. That's why he said, come, let's have a conversation. Let's reason together. Let's talk about your sins. I can, though they be as scarlet, I can make them white as snow. Why? Because you need to have a heart that is pure so that now when somebody hurts you, which is going to come, it doesn't stick. It doesn't stay. It bounces off. It rolls off when it comes to revenge and you see that person as Jesus saw those people when he hung on that cross that's the good news that I remember I needed forgiveness too number two I refocus on who the real enemy is I know many times we're tempted to think that's my enemy my arch nemesis that's the one and we pin ourselves against them we have conversations in the shower of if we only said this, we could have said that. We fall asleep at night and wake up in the morning and there's that individual there and we just have scenarios play out. They are not your enemy. The enemy of our souls is the devil. Ephesians 6 tells us this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood or against, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of the dark world, against spiritual forces in heavenly realms. There you go. I told you. Aunt Gertrude was not your problem. The devil. Because if he can discourage you and hurt you and get you into, into a defensive position, you'll never be at the place where God's love and grace can flow through you. Number three, reevaluate your current situation. Just think about it for a moment. How's that grudge working out for you? How's that unforgiveness feel this Christmas Eve morning? How's it playing out? Well, it feels pretty good, Pastor. Been holding on to it for 30 years now. You can let go. It'll feel better. Because the last time I checked, unforgiveness didn't feel good at all. I was still stuck in that snare thinking I'm going to get them back and the whole time creating more pain in my own life, my own soul, my own mind. I think oftentimes that misunderstanding of what forgiveness is, of understanding that really when I forgive them, the outside, a whole lot doesn't change, but on the inside it does. And that's where it begins. In your heart, you release them. In your mind, you reframe how you think about them. Number four, you can request God's help to forgive. And the disciples are getting schooled by Jesus. Sometimes I think it would be jealous. I wish I could have been a disciple. Many times I'm not. This is one of those moments. Because they ask some dumb questions. 
I was that kid in school. I can relate to the disciples. And Jesus responds in Luke 17. He says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you and say, I repent, he said, you must forgive them. And Jesus is training them as he's training us. But listen to what the response is. He says, if they offend you seven times in a day and come back seven times and keep on saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. He said, keep forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. And when he told them that, this is their response. We use the scripture when it comes to healing. Got a pain. I'm not believing enough. Need a miracle. Not believing enough. They needed forgiveness. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. Woo! They said, if we're going to do that and forgive like that, that much, if that's what you require, because he said you must, wasn't optional, he said you must, if that's a requirement, you better help us by increasing our faith, because we're going to need you even more than we thought we did. And this morning, I'm telling you, you need him more than you think you do. He's not casual. He's not unrelenting. He is in pursuit just because maybe you stepped into a place of salvation and you are a believer, you've received forgiveness. He is looking at you saying, hey, 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 you must forgive as well. And I want what's best for your life. But you can't get there holding that grudge. And your cry has to be, then God, I need your help because I can't do it on my own. And he says, I know. I've been trying to help you. Let's do it together. Find the space in your life to begin processing through to forgive that person. And you know who they are because if they're there in your life, they've been on your mind for the last 20 minutes. You've been chewing on that name. It's popping up. This is a, another great test. Do I have unforgiveness stored in my heart somewhere? Just think about somebody. Ooh. Lord, increase our faith. I'm going to need you to be able to do that. Number five, the last one, rest in God's love. Because if an offended person can offend others, a loved person can love others. John wrote, we love him because he first loved us. And oh, don't forget, he loved you when you were sinning, mistaking, in your error, running from him. Jesus' love amazes me because he hung on that cross and said, forgive them and died for people that would continue to hate him. That he knew would never turn to him. Never appreciate what he did. That type of forgiveness is available for you and I because we can rest in God's love. My sin, my sin offended him. But my Savior's love was greater. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand up? Grab that candle there next to you. <coughs> On your seat. I'm not huge into traditions. I'm real picky, choosy. I'm weird. I process most of the traditions in my life. Do I really want that? Because sometimes tradition creates more headache. Like, if it's tradition and it brings joy, I'm down. 
But if it's just more of a headache, I'm probably going to end this tradition or begin having that conversation. And Tara and I are on the same page. Like, tradition here at the Avenue is that we do a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. I know it's not nighttime, but there's something special about seeing this thing lit and realizing Jesus came into the world, just one person, all God, all man, stepped down from heaven to this earth as one little light, came wrapped as a gift in a baby's clothes, laid in that manger, and that one little light spread into the world so great that these couple thousand years later, we are in this room talking about him, and we're here because of him. People put out chairs, we sing songs, they take care of babies, they do all these things because of that one little light that came from heaven to the earth. In a moment, we're going to light these lights, but before we do, let me pray with you. So this morning, you need forgiveness or you need to give forgiveness. Rest in God. And across this room, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If that's you and you're looking for forgiveness and you want to give it, have faith and believe that God can do it in your life. Everybody pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for being the light to come into this world. Thank you for offering to forgive me of my sins. I take you up on that offer. Wash me and I shall be clean. Cleanse me and I shall be whiter than snow. Give me the strength now to forgive others. 